I don't know if you know what it looks like or, or what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I don't know if, if, if we really have grasped that as God's church, what it means to be true followers of Him. Like, what's, what's this look like in our lives? We've been talking at Outward Church here about what it looks like to live life outward. What it looks like to truly be people who are on mission. What it looks like to be people who truly understand the grace of Jesus Christ and how that impacts our lives. We've been talking about this at the start of the school year because this is really when we kick off. This is when we kick off uh, what's kind of happening for the year. But we all want to be on the same page. And the, the same page is this, is that we're all going to be disciples of Jesus Christ. We're going to be disciples who are firmly, firmly planted in the grace of Jesus Christ. And that our lives are so overwhelmed with who God is and what he's done for us that there, you can't help but have that overflow into the rest of your life. That you can't help but, but talk about who God is. Because what we're doing here is not just a religion. And, and the reason why we came this morning is not so that we could warm a pew. And, and the reason why we're a part of this group is not because we all just kind of have the same affinity. But the reason why we're here is because of the grace of God that we see in Jesus Christ. And so it's all about Jesus. It's about Him. And so we've really been uh, talking about this verse, which I'm going to read to you first. I have another passage that we'll talk about in a minute. But Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 has been our verse for this series and it says this for by grace you've been saved through faith and this is not your own doing it is the gift of god not a result of works or what you've done so that no one can boast and here's where we go outward for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The whole point of, this, of these three verses here is this, is that we get saved. God saves us from Satan, sin, and death. No matter how good I am, no matter how bad I, I am, all of us need saving. Because really, our, our idea of goodness or our idea of badness, if you will, is simply wrapped up in our own understanding. But God understands this, and that is that every single person here, including me, if you can believe it, including me, every single person here needs saving. Each of us needs saving. But that saving brings up something else. It brings up this radical life change. If you're truly saved, if you really know Jesus, if your life has been radically changed and you say, listen, I know, I understand the grace of God found in Jesus Christ, then what's inherently going to happen is this, is a changed life that wants to tell other people about the God-man Jesus Christ and the grace that is found in him. Because here's the thing, you can't help but talk about it. Because of this, all of your self-trying, 
all of your efforts to try to get to God, everything you've been trying to do, trying to understand, thinking if I just do a little bit more, if I just watch a few less rated R movies, if I uh, don't do this and I do do that, and if, and if I'm a part of a Christian softball league, and if, I'm a, and if, I'm, uh, if I watch the whole Left Behind series, and if I listen to Christian radio, and if, all of these things, and, and honestly, you're going to get to the end where you're just like, you're lost because you've been working and you've been working and you've been working and yet what you're going to find out about you is the same thing that I find out about me and that is that I still fail. I still fail. I still have problems. I'm still just regular old Matt Porter and I'm still just a flawed individual and here's the thing that I get to experience anew the grace of Jesus Christ not because God has let me go but because God wants me to continually revel in the fact that he saved me once for all, no matter what happens, no matter what I do. He's saved me once for all. There's no resaving and resaving and resaving and resaving. No, he saved me once. When God says it's done, it is done. It's finished. It's over with. And so what we want to talk about this morning is that if you have a passion because you've been saved by grace and you have just been absolutely encapsulated by the grace of God, then what's going to happen is this, is that you want to live like Jesus lived. You want to live like Jesus lived. You want to be that person. And that doesn't mean that you're going to experience perfection this side of heaven. But what it can mean is this, is that life looks radically different than it does. Now, here's some things that I'm challenging this morning. I'm challenging your perception of what the church is. I'm challenging your perception of what, p- perhaps if you grew up in the church, what you thought your role is in the church. Outward church, our church, we, uh, what I believe is this, is that we have taken uh, everything from the scriptures that we teach and if we're ever off, we come back and correct that. But we want to dig back into the scriptures and see how does God want us to live. And he shows us with Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is God, but he's also a man. He's, he's the God-man. He comes in the flesh to earth. And what it's called is it's called the incarnation. It's like in carne, you know, like carne asada. It's in the flesh, right? I had to, somehow I always get meat into one of my sermons. Just listen for it, and there will be a test at the end. And so um, my birthday was just this last week. Uh, we had lots of ribs and lots of tri-tips. Surprise, surprise, right? But uh, we, it, was, it was a great time. Back to the sermon. Um, where was I? Okay, Jesus in the flesh. He comes, and he embodies God. He, he, he is God in the flesh, and he comes, and he lives with us, and he shows us how he wants us to live. And so what I want to show you is a few things out of uh, the book of Mark, Mark chapter 2, beginning in verse 13 through 17, Mark chapter 2, I, I should probably turn there as well. So um, this is a, just a simple passage that I think will show us a few things here. Let me tell you just a couple of, couple of things here real quick. Uh, if you've never been baptized and you want to get baptized or you want to know more about baptism, uh, we would love to help you with that. Here's what we want you to do. There should be a connection card uh, in the pew back in front of you or somewhere near you. Um, or you can just come talk to me after the sermon and I'd, I'd love to chat with you. 
Um, but if you'd like to be baptized, we'd love to see you get baptized, and we'll schedule one in uh, the not-too-distant future. So come and tell us about that. A couple of other things. There's a men's group uh, from 33, the series, that'll be beginning on September 30th. There's also a women's group that'll be starting that very same evening, and then the following morning, there will be a morning group of the women's uh, gathering, and that'll be between 9.30 and 11 a.m. I'm missing a couple of times here right now. There'll be more information on, on our website this week, so you can check on that. I believe both the, uh, there's a cost associated both with the men and the women's um, uh, uh, studies, and you can find out more about that here shortly. The, the women will be going through Restless, a study by Jenny Allen, and it's awesome. Uh, my wife has gone through it, and she loves it. So um, would love to see you be a part of that. There's a, again, there's a evening and a morning option for the, for the gals. Um, and then lastly, this. Um, for those of you that are part of Outward Church, and this isn't for anybody else, like if you're visiting or whatever, we don't want anything from you. This is uh, our gift to you, hopefully. Maybe you'll take a donut. That'll be a gift, something like that. But, um, but we have to pay for donuts. So <laughs> for, for those of you that go here, and this is your home church, we want to encourage you to give. Uh, August and September are not typically great months for uh, income levels for the church. And so if you haven't started giving and you call this your church home, I want to encourage you to do so. Uh, we've tried to make it as easy as possible, and so you can do that online uh, by going to our website. It's pretty self-explanatory. You can do that through the kiosk here. You can text to give. There's a couple of different options, or you can put something in the boxes on, on the way out. But I want to encourage you guys, um, those of you who are committed to Jesus Christ, uh, to not give out of obligation or out of guilt or anything like that, but to give because of what Jesus has done for you and give accordingly uh, how the Lord has led you to do so. Uh, nothing more, nothing less. And so I want to encourage you to give during this time. Let's get into Mark chapter 2, verse 13. It says here, He went out again beside the sea. We're talking about Jesus here. And all the crowd was coming to him. And he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Now, this is a short passage about Jesus and about who he was and about how he lived. I think it very simply points out three things. The man... Jesus, who is also God, the message of Jesus, and the mission of Jesus. And it's vicariously through seeing those three things that we're able to see uh, how are we supposed to live as Christians. But it also says this, if you don't know Jesus or you're just beginning your faith journey, what it can tell you is this, is that how do I relate to him? What's he like? What should I, how should I get to know him? And what, what should that look like in my life? And then what does he want me to do? And so let's look at this 
here in detail. It says, first of all, the man. Jesus is a guy who's walking through town. Look at what it says again. He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him. Jesus is out, he's hanging out, and there's this crowd of people. It's all the crowd. And then he says, again, many tax collectors and sinners. And then again, there were many who followed him. Um, he was eating with tax collectors and sinners. Here's Jesus. He's this guy, and he is out and about with everyday people. Now, why should that be something that sticks out to us? Well, let me tell you this. Because Jesus isn't a guy who's sitting in a church or sitting in a temple or sitting on a throne, as it were, at this point in, his, uh, in this time period. But Jesus is out with people. He's out with people, and he's spending time with people. And he's walking by the beach, and he's hanging out, and he's eating with people, and he's spending time with everyday people. And in fact, it's not just everyday people, but it's people who are misfits. It's people who are dis disillusioned. It's people who feel like outcasts. It's people who are on the outer edges. This is Jesus, and he's hanging out with people who feel like I don't measure up. And indeed, they did not measure up according to the standards set by these people who are the scribes and the Pharisees. Now, the scribes and the Pharisees are these people who are kind of the antithesis of Jesus. And they are people who are uh, very, very, very religious. In fact, they're very serious about their religion. And they want other people to know this. And so they are people who are a little bit upset. But here is Jesus who really is God in the flesh, and yet he is hanging out with people who you just would not expect. Now, I just want to challenge your viewpoint this morning. Like, if you're somebody who's been a part of the church for a while, I, I want to challenge your viewpoint and just say this. We all know that guilt sometimes comes by association. And we all know that when we hang out in some circles, like, yeah, I could be included in that. And I don't, you know, I've got a witness. But here's the thing, that the Son of God found himself spending time with people who none of us would have expected. If Jesus were physically here on earth, other than the body of Christ, which is his church, but if Jesus were physically here, we would be shocked. You might say, I don't think I'm a Pharisee. I don't think I'm some kind of religious zealot who's kind of legalistic and kind of a jerk and moralistic and all, all of this stuff. And, and, but here's the thing. I think you and I, including myself, I think you and I would find ourselves in this place where we'd say, I can't believe that he went over there. I mean, just fill in the blank with whoever you think that Jesus wouldn't be hanging out with. And here's the thing, that Jesus was hanging out with everyday people. Now, it didn't have to be just tax collectors and sinners. Jesus was hanging out with just everyday people. He's hanging out with people who don't really know much about religion. He's hanging out with people who don't really care much about religion. And he's spending time with them. And more than just spending time with them, look at the descriptions here. All the crowd was coming to him. Many tax collectors. Many people followed him. Jesus has something about him where he's inviting. He's inviting. He's inviting. He's inviting. 
did you know for the Christian, did you know that the life of a Christian is about inviting? It's about being inviting. And you might say, well, I just, I'm not, I'm not a very inviting person. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know if you've heard much about me or uh, my, uh, you know, personality issues. I, I mean, I don't, I don't have anything too crazy. Um, you know, I am on, uh, you know, uh, my medication and stuff, but, um, I, you know, I'm, I, I'm okay. But I, I just want to, I just want to tell you that, like, probably one of the greatest gifts in my life, other than the gospel of Jesus Christ, is a fantastic wife who is good at inviting, and she has taught me how not to be an ogre and uh, things like that, and so I, how to, how to be nice and, and shower and things like that, and so I, I invite, I, I, I try to invite people into my life. Jesus was somebody who was inviting people into his life. In fact, many, many, many people were invited into his life, and not just the people who kind of had similarities with him. Oh, you're the son of God? That's great. I'm, the, I'm a son of, you know, whatever, it too. You know, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't that. It was like Jesus is the son of God. He's the son of God. I mean, do you get that? He's the son of God, and he's hanging out with Joe the prostitute. He's hanging out with a tax collector who's not only uh, not liked by regular people, but Jewish people, he's a Jewish tax collector, Jewish people really, really hate the Jewish tax collectors because they are people who have totally, totally turned on their own, their own race, and they're taking money for the Romans. Here's Jesus. He doesn't care. He doesn't care about all of the problems and all the issues. He just says he's inviting them into his life. And many, many people are coming to spend time with him. Christian people, are we inviting those who we would not normally hang out with into our life? Are we inviting, inviting them in, into our life, spending time with them? Last week we talked about generosity. The idea that God has been so gracious and he's been so generous with us and he has given us everything uh, for life and godliness we're breathing his air, we're, we're using his gifts and talents that he's given to us to be able to even make money or to take care of ourselves. And so there's no reason for any of us to not be generous with our stuff and with our time and with the things around us. Did you know this? That when you're somebody who's going to invite people into your life, generosity has got to be there. Why? Because God has been so generous to you and to me, even though we did not deserve it. We deserved nothing of the sort, and yet God lavishes his grace, lavishes his forgiveness on us. So here's the man, Jesus Christ, and he is incredibly gracious and kind, and he's incredibly gracious and kind to people who are not necessarily like him. They're not, you know, uh, they're, they're not a god. They're not a Republican. They're not hot on these political topics and so forth. Jesus is just hanging out and he's making friends. Jesus is a friend. Do you see that? Who is this guy that we follow? It's Jesus and he's more than a guy. He's the son of God. But he is incredible in every way. So here's the man Jesus, he's out and about with everyday people. Well, we've got some people who are upset with him. And these are the Pharisees. And these Pharisees and these scribes are people who are saying, 
Who does he think he is? He claims to be this, and yet he's hanging out with those people. Jesus does not care. Number two, the message. First thing we said was, we're talking about the man. Number two, we're talking about the message. It says here in verse 13, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. He was teaching them. Here's Jesus. Not only is he inviting, not only is he, is he somebody who is generous with his time and all sorts of things, but he is, he's inviting, but he's also teaching. He's teaching along the way. Keep in mind that he's walking down the beach, and I don't know what this is like. And so he's like, he's talking about like, hey, so this is what this means, and this is what that means. And he's walking. He's talking along the way. Jesus is making disciples while he's hanging out in everyday life. He's walking through the grocery store. He's getting himself a, you know, a Coke. And he's just saying like, hey, yeah, you know, the, God's like a Coke. And he does this. And you know, I, I don't know what he would have said. That was a horrible example. But he's just everyday life. He's teaching. He's teaching with everything that he has. And he's just walking along with them. And he didn't stop and say, hey, come into my sanctuary where I can uh, open the, uh, the great scroll and I'm going to read this to you. But Jesus was teaching and he's teaching along the way. For the Christian, here's a thought for you. Discipleship happens along the road. Discipleship happens along the road. It happens while you go. It happens with those that you're just friends with and you're spending time with and you're telling them about the grace of Jesus Christ. You're not cramming it down their throat saying, listen to my sermon, but you're somebody who's saying, hey, you should know about how gracious God has been to me. You, you've got to be somebody who has something to say to those who might ask. You've got to be somebody who says, listen, it's so overwhelming that God would even accept me that I truly have something to teach. I have something to tell, but more than just teaching, he's not just teaching the educated. It's not just a select few. It's not just these people that have a certain propensity for uh, high-minded topics and things of that nature. He's not just talking to people who agree with him, but he's teaching everyone. It's not just for the people that understand religious things. But it is very much for the people that are like the tax collectors. They got dollar bills coming in. They got all kinds of people hanging out with them. They're, 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 uh, that's as cool as I get right there. And that's not even very cool. But I mean, they, they're, they're just, they're hanging out. There's money coming out their ears. They've got whatever they want around them. And Jesus is hanging out and he's teaching. He's got a message. It's not just for the select few. It's not for the people who, who feel like they're pretty moral people. It's not just for them. And it's not just for the people who know that they're not very moral. But Jesus is teaching all of the crowd. He's teaching them. And he's communicating something. Here's the thing. Jesus does not leave you as you are. Jesus doesn't leave you as you are. When you come to Jesus and you say, Okay, I believe that you're the Son of God. It's not just this kind of thing that I just, I believe this. Um, it's not just a, a change in thinking. It is a change of thinking, but it's more. 
It's a change of, of thinking, but Jesus puts it this way when he walks up to Levi, and it says here in verse 14, and as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Al- Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. Now, I don't think Jesus had a Twitter account or Facebook, and so he's not necessarily just saying, hey, check out my updates, my pithy statements uh, occasionally, and my funny pictures. Jesus isn't saying that. Jesus is saying this. He's saying, I want you to engage in life with me. I want you to walk along the road with me, and I want you to follow me. I want you to do what I do. I want you to engage in the things that I engage in. I want you to hear my teaching. See, here's the thing. It's not just about what you think. It's not just about what you believe. But what you think and what you believe, if you truly think that, if you truly believe that, that's faith. And that faith will come to fruition in how you follow. In how you follow. When you're somebody who knows and loves Jesus Christ and you know the grace of God that's been shown through Jesus to you, what happens is this, is that there becomes a followership about you. And you begin to follow him on a regular basis. And he begins to make some fundamental changes in your life. He begins to make some fundamental changes in your life. Now it may, and in fact it will, begin incrementally. It just begins with, with small things. And it progressively comes into your life where you're becoming more and more like the person that Jesus wants you to be. He wants you to grow in sanctification. He wants you to become increasingly a better person, a more moral person. However, his saving of you is not predicated on that. His saving of you is not saying, uh, if you do that, then I'll give you this. No, it's by grace that I've been saved through faith. And this is not of my own doing so that I can't boast. And so what it means is this, is that as I'm following Jesus, I become more like him. And he begins to point out the things in my life that he wants to see changed. And what happens is this, is that somebody who is a drug abuser becomes somebody who is no longer abusing drugs. And their, their savior is no longer some kind of a substance, but now their savior becomes the true and the living God. And their savior is no longer their money. It's no longer their, their money saying, I, I feel so insecure right now because I have no money and I, have, and I don't have these things or, or uh, I don't have this job. Their savior is no longer the things that they're doing, their job, but their savior is and becomes the true savior, which is Jesus Christ. And it's no longer sex and saying, sex is going to rule my life. And I'm going to go look for girls. I'm going to go look for guys. Or I'm going to go look for these things. Or I'm going to engage with this pornography. Like sex isn't my God anymore. And so instead of misusing sex, I get to use it rightly. And sex is no longer my God and my master that leads me into further and further sin and harm in my own life. And harming my own family and my wife and my kids. But sex is in its proper place. Why? Because of this. Because sex is not my God. Because Jesus is my God. And Jesus is my Savior. 
And it's no longer the things that I, I pick up that God has given me and say, oh, I'm going to worship this little dumb thing, but it's, I'm going to worship this great and awesome, the only great and awesome thing that is God. So we've got the man, we've got the message. Jesus wants us to follow him. And then number three, we have the mission, the mission of Jesus. Now, some of my favorite aspects of the Gospels are these little sayings that we find in these passages. If you remember halfway through verse 16, it says this, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Let's just stop and ask that question with them. Why does Jesus eat with tax collectors and sinners? Ask the question of yourself. Now, if, if I'm the son of God and I'm coming down to earth, um, if I'm going to respond in, in, a, in a human way, the way that I would think about doing this would be like, I want to go find some people who like me. Those are the people that I want to hang out with. I mean, when you go into a party, you don't go find the, you know, person that you, you know, had an argument with a couple weeks ago and like, oh, good to see you. You, know, you. you normally, you gravitate towards the person that's like, oh, you like me. We're like each other. We enjoy spending time together. Those kinds of things. But here's Jesus. Jesus comes to the party and Jesus comes and he hangs out with tax collectors and sinners, the lowest of the low in their society. Now, why is Jesus doing that? He's not hanging out with people that just inherently have a great propensity towards religion or those people that feel like they need a crutch uh, for life. No, he's hanging out with people that are pretty confident in the stuff that they're doing. Why is he hanging out with them? And Jesus hears this, verse 17, and he said to them, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. And then he, he just makes this last statement here. I came not. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Think about this for just a second. What if that word not were not there? I came to call the righteous. And by the way, you sinners, you're hosed. It's over. I'm sorry, you're in trouble. You've ever seen that uh, bumper sticker that says something like, Jesus is coming soon and boy is she ticked, right? That's, that's people's viewpoint, apparently, of God. That God is coming and he is ticked. Or that, there, another bumper sticker, uh, Jesus is coming soon, act busy, right? Yeah, so, somebody pick up a broom and start sweeping. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been trying to fix this for a while. Sorry about that. But Jesus, he didn't come to call the righteous. Why is that? He didn't come to call people that think that they're really good or nice people. Why is that? It's because of this. Because something about somebody who says, you know what? I'm doing pretty good. I'm all right. Life is okay for me. You know what? I've got everything handled. I'm, everything's working out. I'm, I'm, I'm going to reach God. Yep, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm going to make it happen. There's something about that that just is incongruent 
with who God is. It does not work. So what Jesus says is he says, I'm not here to call people who don't think that they need to be called because ultimately they don't want what I got. You know who wants what I got? It's the people who know that they've, that they've screwed up. People who aren't sick don't go to the doctor. But people who are sick go to a doctor. And listen here. You can't come to God with your hands full and say, hey, look at what I've done for you. I'm living a good life. I, I go to church. I try not to think bad thoughts. You can't come to God with your arms full. Because this is what God wants. God wants empty hands that come to him and say, I have nothing to bring to the cross of Jesus Christ except my sin. Because your works are just nothing. They'll be laid to waste. There's, there's nothing about them that's, that's going to save you. They may be good works. You may be doing nice things, but those nice things can't save you because God doesn't work that way. God only works this way. God only says, as long as I get all the credit for saving you, as long as I get every bit of credit so that no one can boast, as long as I get the credit, then we can do business. But if you think that you're going to come and you're going to tout your own forgiveness and your own righteousness and your own abilities to carry this out, then you've got another thing coming because I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Now here's what this means. The way to come to Jesus is by saying, I don't have anything to give you all I can do is take from you and Jesus says yes I know you might say to yourself but I don't really want to receive gifts like that I don't really want to receive that well here's what that is that's just pride that's my pride that says you know what? I don't really need help I've been moving lately and it's the hardest thing in the world for me to pick up the phone and just be like can you come over and help me move I mean like I want to do it myself I, you know, I don't know why, but it, for some reason, I just, I kind of get into that. But finally, my wife is like bugging me like, hey, call some guys, call some people. Like, no, I can do this. I can do this. I can make it happen. And my back is breaking and everything. But, but that's how we act sometimes. We say, no, I, there must be something that I have to do to get to God. And God says, no, you don't understand. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what you think. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can't make it work for yourself. You have to come to me empty-handed, asking for the gift of God through his grace with humility. Saying, I trust you. I trust you. I'm just going to trust you. And now why can you do that? You say, you know, I just, why do I have to humble myself? Because of this. Because the Son of God humbled himself. 
because the Son of God, even though he was equal with God, even though he is God, he's God in the flesh. Even though he is God, he did not count equality as something to be grasped, but he humbled himself and became like a man. And he comes down to earth and he allows himself to be spit upon and beaten and whipped and rejected and yelled at and cursed at. You can humble yourself because the Son of God humbled himself. That's what this means for those that don't know Jesus yet. Now, for those of you that do know Jesus, do you know what this means? The man Jesus Christ invites people to follow him. And he is actively making disciples. Let me just tell you this. The goal of our faith is to glorify God as we make disciples as his church. The goal of our faith is to be making disciples along the way. Not just inviting people to a meeting, not just inviting people into your home, not just doing churchy things, but it is hanging out with truly people who don't seem like you would normally hang out with them. Why? Because Jesus did. Now, what I'm not saying is this. I'm not saying putting yourself in uh, unwise situations that would cause you to sin. What I am saying is this, is that the grace of Jesus Christ is so good. It is so good. It is so fantastic. How can you help but speak about Jesus Christ and what he's done for you? Make friends. Invite people. Have something to teach. Teach them the gospel, the truth. And make sure that you are on mission the way that Jesus is on mission, the way that Jesus has sought you out. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I want to pray for those that have never put their faith in you before. And Lord, I want to ask you that you would um, bring light into their life. Lord, that you would shine light in dark areas. Lord, that they would see themselves and understand who they are. That Lord, that they would understand that there's no one here that is perfect. There's nobody here that deserves the grace of God. But you give it as a gift to sinners like me. And so, Lord, we thank you so much for that. And Lord, I pray for a church that's on mission, who understands the man, the message, and the mission that you had on earth and that you have now given to us to make disciples and teaching them to obey all that you've commanded. So, Lord, we ask you for the strength to do so. Lord, I pray for those of us that are in a religious stupor that, Lord, you would wake us up and allow us to realize that the gospel is so much better than lame old religion. Lord, we ask you for this. In your name we pray. Amen.